So we are gonna move on to our scripture this morning. Our scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 21. Let me pull it up here. I'm gonna be reading out of the New International Version, chapter 21, verse 12, and then I'm gonna skip down to verses 15 through 17. So verse 12 says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. I'd invite you to pray with me. Loving and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning we are continuing in our discipleship journey with Simon Peter. And I've been so anxious to get back to the story because last week we left Simon Peter in a pretty dark place. Last week we discussed probably the worst night of Simon Peter's life, the night that Jesus was arrested and Simon Peter denied knowing him three times before the rooster crowed. For Simon Peter, this was probably the greatest failure or mistake of his life. For someone who was so confident in his faith, so bold in his confessions, this denial must have really come as a shock. But as I alluded to last week, that night was not the end of his story. Just as we know that Jesus' crucifixion was not the end of the story for Jesus, Simon Peter's story was also not over. Thanks to Jesus, Simon Peter has the opportunity to be redeemed. Today, we look at how Jesus will restore Simon Peter to his place as the rock on which Jesus has chosen to build his church. And in that process, hopefully we too can know that Jesus offers us redemption as well. The last we saw of Simon Peter was him running off into the night after the rooster crowed when he denied Jesus for the third time. We don't have any idea of where he went during that time. We only know from the scripture accounts that the disciple whom Jesus loved, that we believe to be John, uh, was the only disciple who was present at the crucifixion that morning. We also learned that Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, returned the silver he got for the deed and went and hung himself out of remorse and grief. 
The rest of the disciples are unaccounted for until Sunday morning, where we learn that they have gathered together. It is likely that they were in hiding, grieving, but also worried that the officials who had arrested Jesus and crucified Jesus would do the same to them. I wonder if the atmosphere of that room is not too far different from what some people are experiencing now. The disciples were probably choosing to stay hidden, so they were cooped up together in that space for a couple of days at least. They were probably very afraid of what could happen, fearful of every report that they were hearing, not sure what the future held for them. I'm sure grief and silence and fear grew in their hearts and in the space between them. My guess is that for some of you, this is probably not so foreign of a picture. So how do we move from this picture of the disciples, especially Simon Peter, to the disciples who established God's church in the world? Well, the answer is Jesus. As the old joke goes, a Sunday school teacher of small children asked her class to guess what she was describing. She said, it has fur, it has a small white fluffy tail, has long ears, and it likes to wiggle its nose. The class was silent, and finally one small child raises his hand and says, this is Sunday school, so I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but that really sounds like a rabbit. This is where I need you guys to laugh because, thank you. Thank you, Randy. It's, it's rough, it's rough. The answer is always Jesus, right? The story of the resurrection is a familiar story to many of us as we approach Easter where we will share the story once again. Mary goes to the tomb early Sunday morning to find the stone has been moved and the body of Jesus missing. In the Gospel of Mark, Mary encounters a man in a white robe who says, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised, he isn't here. Look, here's the place where they laid him. Go, his tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you. Did you notice anything interesting? Go and tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus knew that Peter would do everything that he did the night of the arrest. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him, and yet, when Jesus is resurrected, Mary is instructed to let the disciples know, especially Peter. This is very significant. Imagine this being said in different ways. Imagine this man in white says this instead. Go tell his disciples, except Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. What would that have felt like? It would have been pretty clear that Peter had broken his relationship with Jesus and what he had done and Jesus had uh, cast him out of the disciples. So, but that's not what he says. Imagine if it were, were to be this way. Go 
tell his disciples that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. We probably wouldn't think anything of this. It, it would be unclear whether or not the disciples included Peter or not, but we probably would just pass on by this translation. Imagine it going like this. Go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. If it had been said this way, there would have been a sense that Peter was not one of them, but Jesus still wanted to include Peter. <coughs> Instead, what we hear is this. Go, tell his disciples, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. This includes Peter as a disciple and signals that Jesus really wants Peter to be there. One final thing, notice that the instructions are to tell especially Peter and not Simon. Peter is the nickname that Jesus gave to Simon, meaning the rock on which Jesus would build his church. Jesus has sent this message and he's still choosing to refer to Simon as Peter the rock even after this major misstep. I don't think this should be overlooked. If someone is mad at you, they don't often give, uh, uh, they don't often keep using a nickname that has been affectionately given to you. They would go back to using your given name. So Jesus is still using the nickname here, signaling to us and to Simon Peter, hopefully, that there is good news ahead for him that perhaps despite his denial of Jesus, he was still wanted, still needed, and still loved. Imagine for a moment that instead of Peter's name being mentioned, it was your own. Imagine that this great event has happened and when the message is being sent, Jesus wanted you especially. So let's go back to Mark 16, six and seven, and this time I'm going to pause and I want you to include your own name and see how it feels. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised, he isn't here. Look, here's the place where they laid him. Go tell his disciples, especially that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you. For me, it feels incredibly personal. It feels like Jesus has a plan and a purpose ahead, and maybe it feels a little uncomfortable as well, if I'm being honest. There's always a part of me, and I think Simon Peter had it as well, that knows that I am unworthy of Jesus' attention. So to have it would be convicting, but it would also be hopeful. I invite you to ponder a moment what it brought up in you. And if you feel comfortable to comment below and start a conversation with some of your answers. What would it mean for Jesus to call you out to make sure that you knew of his resurrection. As you are thinking about that, we're gonna continue on with the story. Mary tells the disciples and Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved 
So Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved, they take off running to the tomb. The others don't seem to believe Mary or don't know what to make of her story, but uh, they're not going to run anywhere because of it. But John arrives first, so he's the faster runner, we assume. But it is Peter who enters the tomb first to see for himself what Mary has reported. At this point, he's still not sure what to think. The tomb is empty, but it could have meant that robbers came and took the body, or the enemies of Jesus took the body. It wasn't confirmation yet that Jesus had been raised. Then we get the story about the two disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus appears to them, although they don't know that it is him right away. That afternoon, they break bread with him, and in that moment, they discover that it is Jesus, and then he disappears. At that moment, the two run back and tell the disciples everything that they had seen, that they had seen Jesus, and then we learn something interesting. The disciples then say to the two who had been on the road to Emmaus that Jesus had also appeared to Simon Peter. We don't know what that appearance looked like. We don't have a record of it apart from this mention and a mention by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 5 when he says, Christ, he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. It seems that from the time that Simon Peter ran to the tomb to see it as empty, and later in that afternoon, when Jesus uh, makes an appearance to him, not, not all of the disciples, just Simon Peter. So between the tomb in the morning and the road to Emmaus, Jesus has appeared to just Simon Peter. Clearly, Jesus still values Simon Peter. Clearly, Simon Peter needed to know that Jesus was alive. Now there is one more resurrection appearance that is important for the story of Simon Peter. And this story has a lot of parallels to others and other encounters that Simon Peter had in his life with Jesus. So it's important to pay attention to the details. As I've mentioned before, the details really add so much depth and meaning to these stories. Remember how Simon was called to be a disciple of Jesus? That Jesus caught him after a night of fishing where they caught nothing, and Jesus tells him to cast the nets into the deeper water, and then the nets are so full of fish that uh, it makes the boats almost sink. Jesus told him at that time, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. That was the beginning of Simon's discipleship. Now, three years later, Simon Peter is once again fishing and having very little luck. Then a man on the shore tells them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat, and they reel in 153 fish. Now, to have such a specific number signals to us that it must mean something, it must have some sort of significance, but nobody knows what the significance of that number is, other than that it's a lot of fish. Uh, so we're just gonna go with that, that it's a good haul for them. At this point, John has connected the dots and realizes the man on the shore is Jesus. Peter, figuring it out after John, jumps out of the boat and races to shore. Once he arrives on shore, Jesus is roasting fish over a charcoal fire. 
he was making a meal of loaves and fish, much like the meal he had multiplied for the crowds not long before. You know, to eat with someone, to break bread with them is a sign of reconciliation. Everything in this story is pointing to Jesus' purpose here, to restore and to reconcile Simon Peter with Jesus, to heal what was broken, to forgive what was done, and to call Simon Peter back to his purpose. Now, I mentioned really briefly that Jesus had made a charcoal fire. It is yet another detail that is meant to connect this story to another. It was around a charcoal fire that night outside of the chief priest's home where Peter denied Jesus. See, Jesus made another charcoal fire, only this time he is going to provide Peter with the opportunity to confess once again his love for Jesus. So Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He replies, yes, Lord, you know I love you. To which Jesus responds, feed my lambs. This could have been enough. Jesus doesn't question Simon about what happened or doubt Simon's love for him. He gives him a calling, feed my lambs. But Simon denied Jesus three times, and so Jesus gives him the opportunity to confess the same amount of times his love for Jesus. So Jesus asks a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. He asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now at this point, Peter was sad that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Jesus has undone what Simon Peter did that night in denying Jesus. And on the beach that morning, in front of the charcoal fire and the other disciples, Simon Peter went from being a fisher of men to a shepherd. He was to take care of Jesus' flock, the people that they had spent years gathering in. Simon Peter could now take on a new role of compassion and humility. He would still be Simon Peter. He would still make mistakes, but he would never again doubt Jesus or deny him. The one final thing I want us to get from this episode in Simon Peter's life is that to confess that we love Jesus means that Jesus will give us work to do. Simon Peter confessed that he loved Jesus and Jesus' response to him was to say, feed my sheep. It's the same for us. First, we must know that Jesus will make a way for us to be reconciled to him. No matter our failings in the past, Jesus will offer us hope and grace if we follow him. If we face what we have done and we lay it at his feet, he will heal what is broken. But it won't end there. If we confess that we truly love Jesus, he will ask us to live out that love by serving others by caring for the flock, like a shepherd loves and cares for his sheep. Although you might be distanced from those you love, 
Jesus is still calling us, all of us to care for one another, to care for our church, and to care for the vulnerable. This is how we show our love for God, by living and doing as he calls us. So let us be reconciled to God. Let us be reconciled to one another. And let us live a life of love. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for worship this morning or whenever you found this video. God bless. <laughs>